Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Rob Plouffe. Welcome back to Mid-Michigan Bowling News, the podcast for bowlers in the greater Flint area and the state of Michigan. Okay, it is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, and welcome to podcast number 11 in the Mid-Michigan Bowling News podcast series here. Uh, shout out to my daughter, Lindsay, who uh, said that she expected me to mention her in the last podcast when I uh, talked about communicating with your team and some expectations. Um, I had actually forgot about this, but uh, part of the reason why I believe that it's important to communicate with your team and, and set rules is that everyone's all on the same page. So my daughter said, uh, I don't know if it was her sophomore year, junior year, whatever it was. She uh, showed up for practice um, five minutes late. She decided that she needed to go tanning. And she didn't think that I was going to make her do sit-ups. And uh, she walked in and I told her, 50 sit-ups before you start. And uh, she was shocked that I actually followed through with what I said I was going to do and made her do 50 sit-ups in front of the whole team. And uh, she said she learned her lesson right away. She said, I, I was never, ever late again. I knew that you were serious and you weren't messing around. So uh, shout out to Lindsay for that one. Okay, so this podcast could be a long one. Um, I plan on going over how I ran my high school bowling team. And, um, and I always get the question, uh, what do you do that makes your bowling program so successful? What? is the one thing that you think makes a big difference. And uh, this is it. So uh, I'm going to go over it right now. Um, first of all, when I started coaching uh, back in 2005 at Kersley, my both of my kids were, my oldest was in sixth grade and my youngest was still in elementary school. Um, so I knew at that point that someday the plan was for my kids to be a part of the high school bowling team. And I knew at some point someone was going to say, oh, you're only playing your um, daughter in the anchor position because she's your daughter and uh, you want to see her succeed. And I wanted to make sure that I could do whatever I needed to do to, to justify putting anyone, whether it be my daughter or anybody else, in certain positions on our team. So uh, this was some of the system that I came up with. Um, a lot of the ideas came from uh, workouts with Don Hargraves and from speaking to Bob Tubbs um, because Tubby used to run his team uh, somewhat like this, but um, I think I took it to a, a little different level. So here's, uh, here's, what, here's what I did. Here's uh, how I would suggest doing things. And then when I go through all of this, I will give you some of the reasons why. So in bowling, uh, no, matter, no matter what you bowl, you write down a score. Uh, if you bowl a 200 game, then, then you get a 200. If you bowl 100, you get 100, so on. And as you bowl games, you... Um, Uh, you'll, you'll add up your pinfall and you will get an average. It is what bowling is all about. If you ever bowl in a league, 
you go to a tournament, it's all about knocking down pins. So why not do it for the high school team? Why not have them do a tryout and write down every score of every game that they bowl and add them up and whoever has the most pins, that's your number one bowler. Whoever has the second most pins, that's your number two bowler and so on. That's the way they do it in a league. It's the way they do it in a tournament. It's, that's life. So why not do it? Why would you put yourself out there and do it any other way as a coach? Why would you um, pick someone just because you want them on your team? Make them earn it. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your own kid, if it's your best friend's kid, if it's somebody you don't know. Make them earn it. And, and uh, I will tell you this, from experience, 15 years of doing it, it means a lot when you make them earn it to them, to the player. They know that they went out and they earned it. You didn't give it to them. So um, the question would be, why wouldn't you do it that way? So this is how I did things. Um, and I tried some different ways throughout the years for tryouts. And, and I'll explain that here. But um, I originally, we only had um, two days to do tryouts. So I would have the bowlers come in and, and bowl three games for score the first day and three games for score the second day. And I would just add up the scores and say, here's my top five. These girls are going to be uh, the ones that start for the first week of the season. And we'll go from there. Um, but as things progressed and we got more kids involved, um, we started a JV program and, and uh, we had a lot more girls show up for tryouts. In fact, uh, it was pretty regular that we had over 20 girls showing up for tryouts. Um, and at that point, we expanded tryouts to nine games. And what I allowed them to do was to throw out their three lowest games. So they would bowl three games one day, three games the next, three, ga three games the next. And whatever the six highest games were, that's what I used. Um, I also tried bowling at different bowling alleys in tryouts. I tried um, different shots, uh, a sport pattern. Uh, we used the Randy Allen pattern quite a bit. Um, I tried house shots. I, I've tried a bunch of different things. And to be honest with you, um, after doing it for so many years, it really didn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you do uh, one tough shot, one house shot. Um, ultimately, the best bowlers end up being the best bowlers. So my last, uh, I'll say three, four, maybe even five years of coaching, it just uh, became, just give me a house shot. Um, as long as everyone gets the bowl on the same condition, make it fair and uh, let them bowl nine games and take their six highest. Ultimately, the, the uh, highest average bowlers end up at the top. It's almost always the way it, it works itself out. I don't think I've ever seen it work out any differently. But what this does for you as the coach is it takes the decision making out of your hands. No one can question you picking someone for your team because you wanted them. Um, they have earned it themselves. Now, here's where things will get interesting. So this is how 
I did things. I took the top seven girls that were my seven highest finishers in tryouts, and they were the varsity team. And then I took the next seven girls, so eight through uh, 15, that was the JV team. And then uh, we also had an extra JV team, so the remaining um, girls made the second JV team. So let's say after tryouts were done, there was a girl who finished eighth. So she's number one on the JV team. After the first week of competition, um, after writing scores down, that girl in the eighth spot now is out averaging the girl in the seventh spot. What do you do? So um, after discussions with Tubbs and others on how, how to do this, this is the way that I came up with it. Um, we bowl every week in during the high school season. We bowl uh, what they would consider a league. A two-game series, four-score that we wrote down scores for, we kept averages for. It was, it was considered a league, a high school league, for uh, the Curzon girls team. So I said, tell you what, during that two-game league uh, session, once a week, we will have what we call a challenge match. It will allow us, if someone starts to out-average someone else, it will allow them the opportunity to move up a spot. So in my example, the girl in the eighth spot is now out-averaging the girl in the seventh spot. So she gets to challenge her for her position. So uh, our day for score was Thursday. So on Thursday, we go to practice. And before we even start, I announce, hey, the girl in the number eight spot, in this case, I'll just say it was Jane, gets to bowl against Mary in the seventh spot. If Jane beats her, she will take her spot and move up to the varsity team and Mary would move back to the JV team. And the kicker of this is the competition is it's two games, total pins. Whoever wins, um, either you keep your spot or uh, you move up a spot. Um, but the person who is in the seventh spot gets to defend their position on a weekly basis. So let's say that the girl in the seventh spot, she's... Uh, uh, pumped up and she wants to keep her spot and she goes out and bowls well and she keeps her spot. She beats the girl in the eighth spot. So the girl in the eighth spot has to maintain her average out averaging the girl in the seventh spot to have a chance the following week to do it again. This could carry on for weeks, um, but it gives that person that opportunity to defend their position. Um, it seems to work really, really well because, number one, it takes it out of the coach's hands. The coach doesn't have to make that decision. All you have to do is write down the scores and say this person beat that person. Um, when I explain this to other coaches, uh, and this is a true story, I have sat down with many coaches and explained it and said this is the way to run things and um, you got to tell everyone before you start again the communication is key tell everyone this is the way we're going to run things and stick to it and do it but when I tell other coaches this is how I ran things um, and I've had coaches say 
wow, that's brilliant. It takes everything out of your hands. It puts it in the kids' hands. I love it. I, I want to try it. Ultimately, what they come back and say is, I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, I can't justify um, moving someone up from the JV team to a varsity team when, when I don't want them on my team. And uh, my question usually is, well, why is that? Why wouldn't you want the best bowlers on your team? And usually the, the answer is, well, uh, they have a bad attitude. I don't want the attitude on my team. Well, now that's where I think the coaching comes in. If you're a head coach, that's your job to take care of that attitude. Again, by setting rules and boundaries and doing what you say you're going to do. So if the bad attitude starts to screw up your team, you got to fix that. That has to be addressed right away with you and or your team captain. you got to sit down with the, that player and say, look, this isn't going to fly. If you're going to continue to do that, then you'll be penalized and ultimately you, you won't be on this team. Um, but the main reason for doing things the way that I'm suggesting to do them by writing down scores and keeping averages is ultimately you're going to end up with the best bowlers on your team, on, on the varsity team. And as a head coach of a varsity bowling program, it is going to be your job to put the best kids on the varsity team, period. And, and I've always said this in parent meetings with parents throughout the years. It's our job as varsity coaches to win. That's the ultimate goal, is to win. I don't care who it's with. Um, ultimately, the uh, bowlers on the team will, will earn their spots. They'll stay there by earning their spot. But your job as the coach is to win. And if you don't win, you're, you're going to get fired. Watch it. Watch it happen in, in sports. Um, I've watched it at my own school. Uh, sport programs that are not successful, the coaches are usually asked to leave. So I always told the parents, uh, I, I'm here to win. At the varsity level, we're here to win. That's the goal. And my goal is to put the best bowlers out on the lanes every single time to give us a chance to win. And at the JV level, your job is to learn the game and to prepare yourself for the varsity team. And to be honest with you, and I said this in parent meetings before, I could care less if a JV team ever wins. As long as the kids are learning and they know that they're getting themselves prepared for the varsity team. Now, with that being said, our JV teams were very, very successful because those kids were pushing and trying to get to the varsity team. But ultimately your job is to put the best team that you can out there on the lanes. Now I understand that there are some schools, some teams that don't have the luxury that we did at Kersley and you don't have 20 girls showing up for tryouts. Some teams are lucky if you get five girls to show up. Um, but why not do it this way anyways? And write down the averages and, and uh, rank, rank them from one to five so you, you know who your best bowlers are and, and make them earn their spots. Because uh, trust me, it, it matters to those kids. When you're fourth on the team and you get to move up to the third spot, it matters to them. It makes a big difference. Now, here's a couple of 
this is why I do things the way I do. Here's a couple of reasons why. Um, number one reason, it makes practices worth something. Don't go out there and screw around, throw the ball between your legs, turn around, throw it backwards, see how far I can loft it out on the lane. I, I don't want to see that stuff during practice. That's not learning the game of bowling. I see it all the time in high school practices, though. If you watch some some kids in other schools, you, you will see it. You will never see that in any of my practices. We never, ever did that. In fact, if I seen that, we would have been done. I would have told them to put, put your balls away and we're done. We're not going to practice like that. Um, so it does make practice worth something. You don't ever have a screw-off day because the person that is directly behind you in the lineup wants your spot. And what ultimately happens, you will see this if you do this. My example with the number eight girl taking over the number seven girl spot and moving up to varsity. When you do that, and ultimately it'll happen where you'll have someone take someone's spot. Now watch what happens to the girl in the number six spot. Because the girl in the number six spot says, whoa, he's serious about this. If that girl passes me, I'm going to lose my spot. And then I could end up going back to the JV team. So the girl in the sixth spot ends up the girl in the sixth spot ends up working harder on her game because she doesn't want to lose her spot. And then the girl in the five spot recognizes that the girl in the sixth spot's working really hard on her game. So she starts working harder on hers. And it it's a domino effect. The whole team begins to work harder on their game because they don't want to lose their spot. And the other thing it'll do for you when you have competition when you go to a meet or you go to a tournament, those girls know every single game that they bowl goes on their average. So they're going to try their hardest every single game, every single frame. Ultimately, that's what you want as a coach, isn't it? That's what you want. You want your players to give 100, 110% every single frame, every single game, no matter what the competition is. This system pretty much makes them do that. Because if they don't, if they start slacking, they're gonna lose their spot. And they know it. It's, uh, it's just the way that I ran things from the very beginning. Here's one of the other arguments I always hear about this. Well, you don't wanna do that because it's just gonna cause problems on your team. What do you mean it's going to cause problems? Well, if so-and-so beats so-and-so, then they're going to be mad, and then they're just going to cause problems, and it's going to cause a bunch of drama on the team, so we're, we're just going to stop. We're not going, to, we're not going to have people challenge people for positions on this team. It's not good for the team. Uh, this is my response to that. That's a bunch of baloney because I've proven it. It works. And here's the other thing. What are you teaching your team if you're not making them work for it? Ultimately, our jobs as coaches are to um, make good citizens. These kids that you are working with, that you're teaching, are ultimately going to grow up and get a job and go to work somewhere. 
what are you teaching them if you don't make them work for it? That's my, my whole thought behind this whole thing is like, if you just say, Hey, um, I like this kid or this kid's parents are friends of mine. I'm going to put them on the team and we'll let them do whatever they want. What are you teaching them? You're not teaching them anything. You're teaching them that it's good to know somebody and, um, you can get whatever you want in life by that way. And that's not the way it works in the real, real world. You got to work for things. This system will make you work for it. Um, a couple of tidbits about it. I have always said that uh, when you bowl someone, it's two games total pins. You have to beat them. If you tie them, then you don't uh, move up a spot. And I have had some ties. I've had some girls that it came down to the last shot and uh, it ended up in a tie and a, and a girl kept her spot because of it. Um, I've had girls, I've watched some challenge matches during practice where I had a girl go up in the 10th frame and, and throw a split, came back and, and literally tears in her eyes like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my spot. It was that close. And she said, I'm, I'm going for the split. And she picked it up, picked up the split and won her challenge match because she picked it up. Um, it, it, it does things that brings out the best in people that you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe unless you actually go through it. Um, it, it also, like I said, it, it makes the whole team better because people are, are working to try to, uh, move up. Um, here's the other thing it does for you. If you have a kid, um, which this has happened quite often with me, if you have a kid who, um, just, just has a bad tryout, it happens. Sometimes uh, maybe they're sick, maybe they're injured and they have a bad tryout and they really should be one of the top seven bowlers, but they end up in eighth or ninth or tenth. They're not done for the season. It's not like, uh, well, you're stuck on the JV team for the entire season. If you continue to work on your game, you bowl well, you're, you're going to get a chance to move up. And that's all anybody is asking for in life. People ask for that. Just give me a chance. And uh, the system allows for that. Now, in 15 years of coaching, um, I want to say 13 of those years, I had JV teams. Probably 12 of those 13 years, I had um, someone move up from the JV team to the varsity team um, because of these challenge matches. And ultimately... Um, it was the right move. It made our team better. And we really started to win when things like this started happening. I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but we didn't lose a conference match in 11 years. Um, so we were doing something right. And I think this is the something that we were doing right is, uh, writing down averages, having kids bowl against each other and competing against each other and getting the best kids on your team that you can. Now here's the, uh, here's another part of this whole thing. When I started to do this, what I said was I will publish the scores and the averages for everyone to see, including the parents. So I made a website. We actually had a website out there. It's a uh, cursley bowling dot weebly.com. 
still out there and available today. I, I made a spreadsheet up and I updated that spreadsheet every single time we bowled games for score, whether it was in the practice league, in a match, or a tournament. Whenever a kid bowled a game for score, that score goes on their average and their average is updated. And ultimately, that's what kids want. Um, adults do the same thing. When you bowl in a league, first thing you do is you go and you look at the league sheet. You're usually looking at where's my team at in the standings, and then you look at your your average on your team, and you're looking at the averages of your teammates. That's bowling. That's, uh, that's what people do that are bowlers. So why wouldn't you do that on your high school team? It's, it's pretty simple. So I published averages for people to see. Um, anyone could see. And ultimately, uh, down the road after I started doing it, um, I actually had college coaches calling me and saying, hey, I'm curious about uh, so-and-so and, and how's the season going and what's their average. And I'd say, just go to our website. Um, I've got all the results of all the tournaments. I've got all the scores. There's a spreadsheet there. You can see what their actual averages as of today. You can see how they've bowled. You can see their high games, their low games. Um, it's all there for you. And uh, to me, it was it was simple. And and people want to make that difficult, and it's really not that difficult. Um, does it cause problems? Uh, I, I don't want to say that it never did. Sometimes it did. Sometimes there were issues where I had girls who were in certain positions that... Um, when they lost a position, they were mad. But um, ultimately, when you sit down with them and you talk to them about it, they've always came back and said, hey, it's it's my fault. It's my own fault. I'm the one that lost. She beat me. Fair is fair. I just got to work a little harder. Um, here's the other thing that you can take from this. Just because you have, uh, let's say you have your top seven and your number one girl is... Uh, let's say for this example, she's a 200 average and your number two girl is a 198 average. That doesn't mean that you have to use the number one girl as your anchor. Um, you're the coach. You make the lineup up. And that is something that I've always taken very seriously. Um, who bowls in what position. And uh, yes, ultimately the highest average bowler um, usually ends up in the anchor spot. Not always, but um, almost always. And that usually is because they're they're the ones that are better at throwing strikes or filling frames, and that's who you want in your anchor spot on your high school team is the one who can fill the frame when you need it. So it doesn't mean just because you're fifth on the team in average that um, that you can't be the anchor bowler. That's up to the coach. The coach makes that decision. But ultimately, the averages will help you make those decisions. Here's the other thing. Um, when I sat down and I, and I explained this to my athletic director and I said, look, this is the way I'm going to run things, he, he looked me in the eye and said, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. He said, uh, I totally support this, and here's why. If a parent calls me up and says, um, Rob, Rob is uh, he's not treating my kid fairly because... I think my kid should be on the in the starting lineup, and 
all the athletic director has to do is go to the website and open up the average list and say, look, your kid's number seven on the team in average. What justifies him making your kid a starter when they're not even top five? Um, it it, it uh, helps the athletic director um, justify why the coach would do things that he does. So, yes, your top five should be your starters, um, unless there is an injury or someone's sick or um, disciplinary reason that you're starting the number six bowler. But the top five bowlers earn those spots. They should be your starters. The, uh, the, the writing down of averages and, and publishing them um, helps the athletic director justify who's where on what team and why. And there will be no questions asked. And I cannot tell you how many times I have seen, and it, it, happens, it happens in uh, high school and it happens in college, on college teams as well, it's sad to say. But you see someone who is excelling and out averaging someone who's on the JV team. And they're clearly a much better bowler than a person who's on the varsity team, but they never get a chance to move up because the coach has already made their decision that this is who's going to be on my varsity team, period, that's it. So um, this system allows for those type people to actually have a chance to move up and make things work for them. But ultimately, it will make the team better. And that is the goal as the coach. So um, that's my my take on uh, how I ran things. Um, there's a couple other uh, caveats to the way that you do this as well. Um, and here's, here's one of them. When you start off the season, you're going to have, um, people are only going to have six games in. And then you're going to bowl. Uh, a match or a meet or a tournament and they're going to have 10 or 12 games in and suddenly say the girl who's in the number five spot uh, she has a hot week and her average is now higher than the person who's in the two spot she doesn't automatically get to challenge whoever's in the two spot you can only move up one spot per week so um, if she's in the five spot she has to out average the girl in the four spot first and beat her and once she beats her then she can the following week then she could move up to the three spot by challenging them now um that that stops people from jumping two three spots but it also makes things play out because the game of bowling is a game of averages and the more you bowl the more the averages will will even out and um Ultimately, like they used to say, like 21 games is a good, uh, they used to use that as your yearbook average, that you, you'll get a really good idea of what someone's average is going to be after 21 games. Um, so things will start to even out over, over the weeks. And usually the high school season is 10 or 11 weeks. So uh, ultimately you've got time to move around up to 10 different spots if there's that many weeks, right? So um, just don't let someone... You can't do a, a double challenge match. You can't say, uh, oh, she's out averaging three people, so she's going to bowl all three of them, and whoever's the highest average gets to move up three spots. That's, that's not fair. You, you can't do that. Um, so ultimately, they can only move up one spot. Um, that, that is another 
twist to the system and the way that I ran it. You can only move up one spot. Um, here's something else that you could do or can do, and uh, this is this is up to the coach and or the players. But um, a few years back, two years ago, I think now, I had a girl. Uh, she was a freshman who started out averaging the girl who was number seven on the varsity team. The freshman was number one on the JV team. Um, so it came time to challenge for the freshman to move up and she was bowling. The girl who was in the seventh spot was a senior. Um, so the girl who was the number one on the JV team came to me and said, hey look, um, I know I'm out averaging this other girl, but um, at this point it's we're halfway through the season and I think I would rather just stay on the JV team. I think I'll, uh, I'll get more opportunity to bowl on the JV team. I don't know that I'm ready for the varsity yet, so I really don't want a challenge to move up to the varsity team. Now that's up to the coach to determine what to do in that position. And to be honest with you, what I said was I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, at that time, yeah, I understood she was a freshman. She wanted some more experience. I had a senior who had been on my team before and uh, she wanted to stay on the varsity team. So um, I let that go. I didn't make her challenge. So that's up to you as a coach if you want to do that. Um, yeah, ultimately, you want your the best bowlers on your team, but if you've got somebody who doesn't want to be on your team, um, then that's your decision to make what you do with that. Um, that actually all worked itself out, and things worked out perfectly, and uh, we had a very successful end of the season that way, that year that that girl did that. Um, to me, that was... Uh, a very mature thing to do. She didn't want to uh, ruin a senior's end of her bowling career, and, uh, and it all worked out. Um, there's a few other twists to how you could do things like this with running your team, but um, ultimately, my feeling on this is this is one of the biggest reasons why our team has been successful over the years is because we wrote down the scores and we kept averages. So people will say, why were you so successful? And then I tell them this and they say, yeah, yeah we're not doing that. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you this is how I ran things and it works and it worked really well for me. And um, more recently I've actually sat down with my nephew, Jeremy, who coaches at Flushing and I explained this system to him and he, he got it, he gets it, he understands it, and he started doing it this year at Flushing. He started writing down scores and averages, and uh, he said, he came back and actually told me, i seen it, I've, I've witnessed it. I witnessed a girl who was um, number six on the team who really thought that she was like one of the top five bowlers on the team, should have been a starter, and when he showed her the average sheet, this girl started practicing, got new equipment, really started working hard on her game and actually moved up to uh, third or fourth on the team in average and uh, made sure that she was a starter. And uh, she gets it. And what happened was the girls in front of her started working harder because they seen what she was doing and they seen what was going on there. So it does work. It, uh, it takes a little bit of time. It takes um, the kids to buy into it. 
and ultimately you've got to explain to them that yeah you're competing against your teammates but you're competing against your teammates to make the team better it's all about the team it's all about making your team better and i don't think anyone out there would tell you that they don't want to be a part of a winning team they want to be part of the best team that can be put out there on the lanes and uh what better way to do it than to write the scores down like this here's another really uh, cool aspect to running your team this way and and uh this this is uh this actually happened this year in the state finals uh, i'll get to that story in a sec but um what happens is when you have these um your players compete against each other the adrenaline the emotion starts to come out while they're bowling a, a match against someone for a position on the team this is something that you cannot simulate ever uh, unless you're in competition unless you're in a tournament and you're bowling someone and you're trying to win a tournament or you're trying to move up in the tournament um, you cannot simulate that by just going out and, and bowling but if you're bowling your practice, your normal practice, and you're bowling for a spot, you're simulating that. You're actually doing it. So this year, state finals, Megan Tim, junior on the Kersley team, she made the uh, she made the cut at state singles, and she had to bowl against the defending state champ the first round. And uh, she started bowling, and um, the girl beat her the first game. She was down by like... I don't know, 17, 18 pins, I think it was, after the first game. And I looked at Megan and I said, Hey, Megan, this is no different than a challenge match at practice. You, It's two games, total pins. So what? You lost the first game, you're down. But if you win this game and you win total pins, then you move on. It's just like a challenge match at practice. And uh, she was, she looked at me and she was like, You know what? You're right. It is. And she won. And I, I just kept reiterating that to her every match through the state finals and she agrees she agreed during the state finals that wow doing challenge matches and practices prepared me for match play in the state finals it's unbelievable but I feel like I I know what to do I've already been here and I I know what to do and I think any of the girls on my team that have been to state finals and been to uh, tournaments and they bowl in match play and they get to that point where it's two games total pins they they know what to do because they've already been there and they've done that they've done it in practices most of them have um, once in a while you'll get somebody who's really excelling that doesn't have to challenge do a challenge match during a season because um, no one can catch them um, and that happens once in a while but uh, that's another benefit of doing things this way is you give them some experience before they actually ever have to experience it and they know what to do when they get there and I, I think if you ask any of the girls that have bowled for me they will tell you that yeah maybe when we started we didn't agree with the way that things were ran we didn't agree with these challenge matches but after doing them and going through it and going through regional state finals we understand why now and and I think most of them like it and they agree with it Plus, it takes everything out of the coach's hands. So I feel like I've been reiterating and going over and over why I did things the way I did. Um, I'm not saying it's the greatest way to run a team, 
but I'm telling you it worked for us at Kersley. And uh, people have always asked, how do you do things? Well, this is probably the number one thing that we have done in practices and the way we run our team. Uh, and that's why I believe that we've been as successful as we have been. Now, um, hopefully you, you take this for what it's worth. And uh, if you want to try to run your team this way, I can sit down and explain it in more detail. Um, I can show you the spreadsheet that I used. You're more than welcome to try it. Um, but I do believe that it will make your team better. So um, with that, I'm over 40 minutes into this one. Obviously, I was uh, passionate about about the way that things were ran on my team. And uh, I seems like I've spoke for a really long time today. Sorry. Um, but with that, I'm going to wrap this up and call this a day. Hopefully you enjoy this. If you got any questions about it, feel free to contact me. And uh, I would be glad to sit down with you and tell you how we did things. So have a great day. Bye-bye.